Well, you may have known that we were at a wedding a week ago. Our oldest daughter, Lillian, was married in a beautiful woodsy meadow in Junjiai uh, with a stone house and a water fountain. Those were the th- three things she looked for, is a, a meadow in the woods and a stone house and a water fountain. And we found them. And it was glorious. Um, it took a lot of work. <laughs> During the game that Brazil lost, Suzanne and I pulled up Glenn Charlton's white van out here, and the two of us carted off all the plates and all the tables from back here and put them in that van. Boy, that's a strong van, Glenn. And uh, while the streets were empty, we drove all of that stuff up to Junjai, and we began to put together this uh, venue, which included 15 10-foot lengths of bamboo stuck in the ground with lights strung Uh, about 30 tables, all set with white tablecloths and silverware and goblets. And, and I'd been praying for about six months that the Lord would give us good weather. And he did. It was gorgeous. Friday was gorgeous. Saturday was gorgeous. Sunday dawned just beautifully. We were all just overjoyed and peaceful to be together. And it was all set. The flowers were in place. We were getting ready to celebrate this great covenant. And we did, and we had the cocktail hour around the pool and live music from Richard Band. Thank you, Richard, for being Johnny on the spot with your guitar. We all moved over to the dinner, sat down, began to serve, and the clouds started getting dark. But I was sure it wasn't going to rain because we'd asked God for good weather and it had rained all week the last week and Friday had been sunny and Saturday had been sunny and Sunday had been sunny and I knew God heard my prayer. It wasn't going to rain. I kept telling people, the rain's not coming. And it wasn't try- I wasn't trying to make myself believe. I truly believed that. A few drops started falling and the DJ said, I'm moving my speakers because the drops are falling. So he started carting his speakers off into the... We had a, a plan B. There was a covered area there, so he moved them into the covered area. thought, ah, he doesn't believe. Well, more drops started falling. Our uh, Peruvian, Lillian's Peruvian in-laws said they wondered why everyone was getting so upset. Because if you know about Lima, it never rains in Lima. It just sort of sprinkles and has mist. Well, they're, they're sitting at their table looking around why everyone is picking up their plates and moving and looking up in the sky. And within 30 seconds... I was dripping. I was drenched. It was downpour. I have a video. I stood there in the rain and took a video of everybody screaming and running with their plate in their hand and their goblet, pulling their chair behind them. We had to move the, all, all the equipment out of the rain. And I was tempted for about 30 seconds to wonder, is God good? Can God stop the rain when he wants Does God love me? See, those are the three things, isn't it? Good, strong, and loving. Did he hear my prayer? Yeah, I know he heard my prayer. I know that. So why didn't he make all that work I did yesterday cutting bamboo worth it? We had to move the whole party inside. We never used... Violet made this mirrored ball. She made it. And it's hung there in the rain and no one ever used it. Well, at the very end of the party... Lillian was on her way out, and she, dad, she said, Dad, I just loved doing all that last part in the house. 
It was so intimate. Some, some people left, but the people who stayed were the right people, and it was close, and it was cozy. She said, I think God sent the rain so that we could end the party inside. I want to challenge you this Christmas to ask Mary's question and not Zachariah's question. Ask Mary's question and not Zachariah's question. Because if you ask Zachariah's question, it will make you mute. Let's see how that works. So I, I want two models. Violet, you'll be my model for Mary, so come on up. I'm so proud of Joaquin being up here, so. Rodrigo, I can do that too, watch. Michael, you could be uh, Zechariah. You stand over here because we'll tell Zechariah's story first. And Violet, you stand right here. You don't have to stay here the whole time. And you don't have to say anything. Violet didn't know I was going to do this. She's like, I'm going to kill you, Dad. <laughs> so the Bible tells us in Luke chapter 1. By the way, read the story at Christmas. Don't just open presents and eat panettone. Read the story. Dads, moms, sit down before you open presents and say, all right, open your Bible to Luke chapter 1. We're going to read the story. Luke 1 and 2 is basically all of it. You have the, the, the Magi in Matthew, where we read before. But that's the story. Read the story. The story has power. The words have power. Read it, right? So, old man. Not so old, right? My, old is relative, right? One of the right, one, one, one. O older, we'll say older. Older man, still serving in the temple. No children, married to a daughter of Aaron. Both he and his wife were from the priestly line. The Bible says they were righteous people. They obeyed the law. They did what was right. And this is his special day. I did a little research on this lot casting where he was chosen by lot to be the one to burn the incense in the temple. Now, this is not Solomon's temple, right? This is Herod the Great's temple. It was huge. It was magnificent. It was the greatest honor of a priest's life to be chosen to be the one to go in and burn the incense. No one else could go in there. He was all by himself. On his, this is the culmination of his profession. And suddenly, he's visited by an angel. What was super special just went up to the very top, right? Visited by an angel. The angel predicts that his wife will have a baby and that he and his wife will be filled with joy. Now, they have no children. What has been their prayer all their married lives? A child. And the angel says, your prayers have been heard. I hope you have your Bible open. Don't let me say anything that's not in there. Your joy will be great. Your son will be a Nazarite and he'll prepare the way for the Messiah. This is good news. And when he's done, Zechariah asks a question. Hold that thought. Then it says in the same chapter... God sent the angel Gabriel to a young woman in a town of Galilee called Nazareth, engaged to be married to a man named Joseph. And Gabriel greets her with this amazing greeting. 
favored one. You are favored. The Lord is with you. Grace has come over you. That's why I'm here. Most people say she was about Violet's age, Violet's 16, maybe younger, engaged to be married. And she says this amazing thing, that you're going to have a son. His name's going to be Jesus. He's going to sit on David's throne and reign forever. There will be no end to your son, Mary of Nazareth, nobody from nowhere. Your son is going to be the forever king. Now, in the midst of that impossibility, Mary, too, asks a question, doesn't she? She asks a question. And the two questions are the point of this message that I want you to remember all through Christmas, and I want you to ask her question and not his question. What were the questions? Here you go. Zachariah said, How can I be sure? How can I know this? Mary says, what? How can this be since I am a virgin? Which is a wonderful confession because it proves to us the virgin birth. She herself knew this was impossible. She's the only one who can be a testimony to that. She knows this is a miracle. I am a virgin. I've never had a man with me, and yet I'm going to have a, a child? And she doesn't question. She says, how can this be? This is the same person that the gospel tells us later, treasured up all these things in her heart. She had a treasure box in her heart for the wonders of God, and she was young, and she knew how to dream and believe just because God said it. That's the faith I need this Christmas, and that's the faith you need. Thank you very much to our models. How do we ask the right question at Christmas? I want us to compare these two people quickly, because in the comparison, you'll see that there's very little difference between the two of them. Zechariah is advanced in years, an old priest married to a daughter of Aaron who is barren, no children. They are righteous. They were chosen by Lot to burn incense in the temple. They represent the old covenant. John the Baptist is the last prophet of the old covenant. Jesus says no greater person has ever been born of women, but, he's, but the least of those born of the kingdom are greater than he. This is the dividing line. Between Zechariah and Mary goes the line of the old covenant, the covenant of law, the covenant of the Ten Commandments, the covenant of choose this day which way you will go, and God will bless you if you obey, and he will curse you if you disobey. Mary is young. She's engaged. She's not done anything to deserve this grace that has been poured out on her of choosing her as the mother of the, of the Messiah. She's a nobody from Nazareth, but highly favored. And the angel goes, goes even further and says, the Lord is with you. 
both saw an angel. Both were afraid. Right? Angels almost always say, don't be afraid. Have you noticed that? <laughs> almost always, the first thing out of their mouth, don't be afraid. What does that mean? It means they look like lightning. They don't look like the crocheted angel on your Christmas tree. In fact, all of them have guys' names, not girls' names. That doesn't really matter because they don't have, they don't, they're not masculine or feminine, Jesus says. They're really powerful beings, and they inspire people to sort of fall apart, fall on their faces. They have to say, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I bring you good news. Great joy. They were both afraid. They both receive a prediction about a supernatural birth. That includes the names. You'll call his name John. You'll call his name Jesus. They both have miraculous babies who usher out the old covenant and usher in the new covenant. And both of those babies grow up to be young men who are killed for their ministry. They both die young. There's a sword that goes through Mary's heart and a sword that goes through Elizabeth and Zacharias as well. So this is not a prosperity story in terms of earthly good news. They both sing songs of praise at the end of the chapter. And they both ask questions. They're different. How can I be sure of this? In other words, I've prayed for this a long, long, long time. And I want to be sure. Don't blame Zechariah. He's an old man. He's a righteous old man. He's done what he knew to do all his life. And now the, perp the, the fruit of that is I just need a guarantee. I've already believed so often that this was going to happen. Give me some, something to hold on to. Something to tell my friends. As if standing in front of an angel wasn't enough. In fact, that's the answer Gabriel gives him, isn't it? I'm Gabriel! And I think there's some sort of a flare that comes out of him when he says it. I stand in the presence of God, and God sent me to give you this good news. What more guarantee do you want, Zechariah? An angel's here telling you this. And yet Zechariah's faith is old. It's stale. He's probably stopped praying for a child. And he says, I want to be sure. Mary is in wonder. Youthful, childlike faith that says, that's amazing. How in the world am I going to have a baby? Not, am I going to have a baby? Or, if what you say is true, I would just really love to understand how this is going to happen. And she actually gets some information. The Holy Spirit is going to come on you so that the one born of you will be called the Son of God. It's going to happen. We don't know to this day the science of it. But Mary believed and wondered and sang even while Zechariah was still dumb and mute. 
Mary was singing at his door when she went to visit Elizabeth. Zechariah doubts and goes dumb. Just an aside, I've found that when I doubt, I stop telling people how good Jesus is. When I'm skeptical, I don't tell the gospel to people like I should with joy and victory and confidence that it's the best news I could possibly tell them and they will thank me forever if they will open their heart and receive it and be changed by it. Skepticism causes dumbness. The old covenant represented by Zechariah, is a covenant of obeying the rules. It's based on the law. And there's a constant wondering whether I've done enough. Have I prayed enough? Have I gone to church enough? Have I done enough good things to pay for my bad things? That's the old covenant. It's heavy. Paul says no one will live by obeying the law. The just will live by faith. Faith in what? Faith in the promised goodness of God through Christ. The new covenant is by grace. The same grace that the, Mary, that, that the angel declared over Mary. You are greatly favored. That favor is God's grace through believing, through faith. It's based on the promise of God. Not on your deserving, not on your acting, not on your doing, not on your coming to church or being a good boy or a good girl. It's based on the promise, the immutable, always true promise of God. And it brings peace and joy to that, the one who believes while they wait for the fulfillment of the promise. See, Mary sings before the promise comes true. Zechariah's mouth is opened after he says his name will be John. When the promises come true, then he rejoices. What God wants you to do, my sister and my brother, is rejoice while you wait for the sure fulfillment of his promise so that people see his glory on your face even when the fulfillment hasn't yet arrived. That's what Mary teaches us. 1 Corinthians 1, 22-25 says this, Jews demand signs. That's what Zechariah wanted. Greeks look for wisdom. I would say that's the spirit of our age. Tell me the science. I, want, I believe science. Give me the science of this. But we, Paul says, we of grace through faith, preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, with both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Our family watched the Polar Express movie this week, the one where Tom Hanks plays about half a dozen voices. The conductor pulls up a huge express train in front of a little boy's house and he's in his pajamas wondering if Santa Claus really exists. He's right about the age where he figures out that, no, this is just the story that my mom and dad made up. So he's right between Mary and Zachariah, right? Now, forget that it's about a lie. Pretend that it's about Jesus for a second. Maybe the conductor is the Holy Spirit. Says, all aboard! 
Get on, we're going to the North Pole. I know, metaphor man, right? Maggie's over here laughing. They call me metaphor man at home. So the boy gets on the train. And he meets a hobo living on top of the train who asks him, or he, he asks the hobo, are we really going to the North Pole? Is that, is that true? The hobo says, well, what's your persuasion? And the boy stammers, uh, I want to believe. See, help me with my unbelief. And the hobo says, but you don't want to be bamboozled. You don't want to be conned or duped, having the wool pulled over your eyes. You don't want to be taken for a ride, railroaded. Seeing is believing, right? And the boy walks away, goes to the conductor, and the conductor says, maybe believing is seeing. Sometimes the most real things are things you can't see. The Bible declares, without faith it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. See, no one has ever seen God. By faith, from hearing and believing His Word, we can know and love Him though we have not seen Him. That's what Peter taught us this semester. He's great at playing hide-and-seek. He hides so your faith will grow and you can believe in Him and love Him and wait for His promise to be fulfilled because, like Gabriel says, no word of God will ever fail. If you believe that, say amen right now. That's all we have. And James says, he who doubts cannot expect to receive anything from God. So this is a little small. But on the right, on the left, I mean, is two people. Zachariah, old priest, barren, skeptical. Mary, young, virgin, humble, believing, available, and given God's grace to believe. I hope that's who you are this morning. The reasoning is, God's word says something that doesn't make sense. God's word promises something that's impossible. The math doesn't match up. Both of them have that incongruence, but their response is different. Zechariah responds with fear and doubt. How can I be sure of this since I am an old man who has prayed for a child for 40 years? He wants a sign. Mary has fear, right? The angel says, don't be afraid, but wonder in that fear. How will this be since I am a virgin and this is impossible? The result of that response is different as well. Zechariah is struck with dumbness, silencing his skepticism. No more skepticism. You'll be silent until this happens. And Mary is given the revelation. The word of God is her answer. And then she says, may your word, I am the Lord's servant, may your word to me be fulfilled. I hope that's my response and your response to this word this morning. As we move toward application, let's look at some interpretation of this. Number one, Gabriel and the heavenly hosts stand in the presence of God. We get a glimpse of this from Gabriel's mouth. In the presence of the Most High, there is a mighty host 
of powerful beings who at any moment could do away with this little planet. They are sent out to speak good news. They're all around us right now. The Bible says that our little ones have their own angels who are constantly seeing the face of the Almighty. Don't forget about angels. Number two, no word of God will ever fail. Verse 37, cling to that. No word of God will ever fail. And he will keep raising the bar to see what it takes to make you doubt that. It is true, and if you believe it, it will be true for you immediately as you wait for the fulfillment of his promise. Thirdly, the word of God can be heard by all who will listen. Jesus says over and over and over, those who have ears to hear, to those who have ears to hear, if you're listening, you'll hear this. Are you listening? It comes all around us through the creation, general revelation. It comes through his word right there before you if you'll just open it and read it and meditate and believe it. It comes through his Holy Spirit convicting you. It comes through his church as we speak in the world and be a witness. We are his witnesses. Fourth interpretation. The coming of the kingdom is an impossibility. The coming kingdom is an impossibility. Don't expect it to make all the sense in the world. It doesn't look smart. It doesn't look big and powerful. No one will say here or there is the kingdom of God. It's an impossibility. It takes a miracle for your children to hear the gospel in a saving way. It takes His grace. Cry out to Him for that miracle. It's a miracle. The Bible says it's not by might nor by power, not a matter of talk or good works. It only comes by the power of the Spirit of God for grace through faith. Next, faith wonders, flesh worries. If you forget everything else about this message, remember that. Faith wonders. That's in the sense of awe. Wonder at what God is doing and has done and will do. Because of his word, flesh, fleshly mind, fleshly effort, fleshly old men and women who've prayed a long time and haven't gotten what they asked for, worry because they doubt and they depend on their own effort to protect themselves and provide for themselves. And then finally, faith can erode and grow cold even for righteous people who know and follow the scripture. Jesus asked, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? So which question are you asking this Christmas? How can I be sure that I'll find a husband or a wife? That I'll get a job and have enough to pay the bills? That I won't be robbed or kidnapped, or have a car accident? How can I be sure that I won't die of cancer or some other horrible disease? How can I be sure that my children will believe and follow Jesus? Or are you asking, how will this be? 
that God is good and loving and strong even when my prayers are not answered as I think they should be or at the time when I want them to be? How can it be that even when my wife has cancer or my son dies before I do or I struggle to have enough while others have more than they need, God loves me and is good and strong and can change my situation whenever he wants. How can this be? Wonder and believe and obey. How will it be that all things, even seemingly bad things, and the devil work together for good for those who love God and are called for his purpose? How will it be that my light and momentary afflictions are working for me a weight of glory that far outweigh them all? How will it be that Jesus will come back bodily and the dead will rise and reign with Him? How will that be? I don't know. But it changes everything if you believe it. How old and dry is your faith, my friend? The door of the kingdom is a low, narrow door and only a few go through it. You have to be like a kid. You have to be wondering, amazed at things you can't understand. Keith Green has an old song that I find myself singing more and more as I get older. I'd like to sing it to you now. Maybe you know it. If you do, join me. My eyes are dry. My faith is old. My heart is hard, my prayers are cold, and I know how I ought to be alive to you and dead to me. So what can be done for an old heart like mine? Soften it up with oil and wine. The oil is you and your spirit of love. Please wash me new in the wine of your blood. It's the old tough hearts that have prayed long, not received the answer they're waiting for. Need to be marinated. Need to be soaked in the living water and the wine of his blood they become soft again and they believe and they wonder like a kid ready for the fulfillment of his promise three ways we can apply this as we finish number one don't be afraid stop fearing the future it is not unknown it is known by the very one who can change it he made it. He knows the end from the beginning. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't be afraid of what might happen because it's all working together for your good if you are hidden in Christ. Don't be afraid this Christmas of anything. What if you could live that way? You can by faith in his good promises. Trust the Lord with all your heart and stop leaning on your own understanding and resources and intelligence. He is 
making everything new. All is well. All will be well. Believe it. Trust it. And live in peace. Number two, listen. Listen to God's Word and believe that it will never fail. Read it to each other. Play it on your device. Read it to yourself. Meditate on it day and night. Listen and believe because it will never fail. Jesus said, sanctify them by the truth. Thy word is truth. See, the sanctification is the growth of your faith. That confidence in what is not seen must grow by the feeding of the word of Christ. Faith comes by hearing. And then finally, wonder like Mary, don't worry like Zacharias. Just be in awe. God, how in the world can a being bigger than the universe hide in my heart and I can't find him? How can that be? It's amazing. But it's true. And it changes everything. What questions are you asking? Ask how did the God of the universe become an embryo in a virgin's womb this Christmas? Ask, how did the beginning of redemption happen so quietly that only a few wise men and some shepherds and Mary and Joseph even knew that it was happening? How did nobody know that Jesus wasn't a normal nerd from Nazareth? Nobody knew. How does his death and resurrected life become my life? Wonder. Don't worry or your joy will be muted and you will miss the special blessing of simply rejoicing by faith. I met Dejan Julio in 1996, April of 1996 when I started, Suzanne and I started volunteering with Abba. And shortly after that I started praying that he would believe in Jesus and be transformed, be changed. He moved away into the interior of Sao Paulo found a young lady that he married. I don't know if he married her or not. Moved in with her. A few years later, he showed up with a huge drug debt, hooked on crack cocaine, running from the drug dealers, stole from us, disappeared, became a, what we call in Portuguese an andarillo, just wandering from place to place. Ended up in the security prison of Anibal Bruno, largest prison in South America, in Recife. He was there for seven years, accused of something he didn't do, until finally we helped him get a lawyer and have his name exonerated. He got out. Within a month, he was hooked on crack cocaine again. And I said, God, don't you hear my prayer? <laughs> and he said, yes. And I believed him. And I kept praying. I'm not sure now is the, the end of the story, but he broke his leg so bad that he has pins in it, and he's in a, a rehabilitation center in Pernambuco. And he sends me the Bible verses he's memorizing every single day. And he says, I remember when you taught me when I was 11 that those who meditate day and night will be like the man who prospers in all that he does. And I want to be that man. 
that's 27 years, 26 years. How long can we keep praying and rejoicing and wondering and believing and saying, God, I will not let you go until you bless me because I want to be like Mary and wonder at the promises that are true. Would you stand with me? Eliminate the skepticism in your own soul right now. Decide that the Word of God is true. It never fails. No matter what the evidence, no matter how long it takes to come true. And say, Lord, I don't know how, can this, how this can be, but I trust you and wonder. Father, give us the spirit of children this Christmas. That we would just be amazed every day the miracle of your incarnation, the miracle of the fulfillment of all things in Christ. Increase our faith, we pray, that we, not, we might not grow skeptical and cold and mute. We ask you this by the power of the name of Jesus, through the Holy Spirit that lives in us. Amen.